Hello and welcome to the Como Politicast. I'm Jeff Pogela. You may have noticed we've been absent for the last couple of weeks. This due to the fact that we here at Como News and Como News Radio have been working hard to bring you the absolute latest information on the COVID-19 outbreak and the resulting economic shutdown. We wanted to focus our efforts there. However, the debate over whether or not to reopen the economy, how and when to do it, has become a political football. So we figured we'd address that issue in a special episode. I'm joined now via Skype by Democratic strategist Kathy Allen and Republican strategist Randy Peppel. We are people easily bored. And I also think that you can only have so much of anything, much less pandemics. I think that what's starting to happen is that there's more of an interest level in getting back to normal. Now, if you're a political person right now, you don't jump into, like, let's go talk about politics. How, what do you think about this race? What you do is you take the coronavirus, and, which is on everyone's mind, and you make that part of what separates the parties or separates what people are thinking. It's the way to ease back into the water of what is more common times. The, the COVID-19 crisis is dominating every aspect of the public conversation. And so as politicians look for ways to get attention, uh, for their own re-elections or just for their own positioning. Uh, they have to be pivoting off of the COVID crisis uh, to get that attention. And what you've seen in the last couple weeks is the president using the crisis to speak to his base and say, we need to open the country back up and get the economy going again, since the economy is his strongest selling point for re-election. And at the state level, you're seeing Jay Inslee use the crisis to keep himself in control. And you see him back to the type of sniping at Donald Trump that we were seeing in February. The governor just couldn't help himself but start to go back after the president to try to keep uh, that control and that focus on himself. And that's where we're at right now. I'd also say that this is not just about big races like this. I think with Inslee, he's looking to show that he's still the leader. And in the other case, Trump is trying to prove why he shouldn't be a leader. What we thought that was really interesting to me, however, is how politicians are using this to get back into the conversation. Like Randy said, what happens now is that we have a number of different candidates that are out there and just calling constituents, not asking for money, but calling to say, how are you doing? Using the virus to get back into the circle so that they can compete. And then you look at issues like Franklin County and then Snohomish County. You, you saw uh, this week Clint Didier claim the order was unconstitutional and the rest of the All-Republican County Commission fell into Cl line. Clint Didier's never read the Constitution, so that's not really relevant. I mean, the Democrats love to trot out Clint Didier. Clint Didier is a, a wingnut, and so what he says is of little relevance to anybody other than somebody run, writing fundraising email. Um, I think the move by the Snohomish County Sheriff is a little more significant, and, and I think what it says is this is what happens when you have the governor of the state use his constitutional authority to declare emergency orders, but then make no effort whatsoever to reach out to legislative leaders and have those orders validated by the people's representatives. And, and that's the problem, is that the governor, in declaring the stay-at-home orders, was within his constitutional authority. But he has not tried to build any support for his executive action 
Instead, he's just gone on TV and talk about things that he's trying to do. And none of it involves actually listening to people and listening to their their elected representatives. And so he has lost that trust that he had when he started this process and started the emergency orders. What he needs to do to get it back is he needs to call the legislature back into session and have them ratify his orders. He is unwilling to do that. I do want to push back a little bit on, on the Clint Didier thing. He, he is an elected official in, in Franklin County, and he does have, you know, having grown up there, a pretty big following down there. Doesn't this kind of dog whistle to some of those those supporters to, to get them to rally in a political sense, I guess, against Governor Inslee? Those supporters had already been rallying. I mean, you, you had seen some of the fishing uh, uh, protests already erupt down in the Tri-Cities last week. So, I mean, Clint Bidier is an elected representative of uh, his county. We have 39 counties in the state. That is not one of the really big ones. <laughs> and so his influence is very modest. He's run for office. He's run for Congress twice. Run for governor. He has a very small following. And he, it is outsized when he gets attention like this that, oh, gee, Clint Bidier said, there's absolutely nobody in this state of any significant leadership position who would look to Clint Didier as someone that they would take counsel from. You know, but this also goes to the point that are we really reaching for links to pandemic from a media perspective as well. The same thing was very true in regards to another Eastern Washington community, which censured one of their council members for refuting something that the governor was doing and taking on the governor in regards to not reopening the economy. And it becomes news. It pops for a while. I'm not so sure that, that these are the kinds of stories that aren't reaching. I'm not sure the public is that interested in certainly what one person – obviously using his freedom of speech and bully pulpit as an elected official to be able to actually bring a point of view that says, I'm starting to feel like I want to get back on the campaign trail. I want to get back into we and they and so on. I believe that what we're seeing is the beginning of the end of the frantic kind of 24-hour media on the coronavirus. But I also think that transition to politics which is usually what starts about now, at least till the primary, and then we go to sleep again for the rest of the summer. The fact I look at now is that I think that this is more a reach to see, are we ready to get out of an only coronavirus conversation? I don't see that, Kathy. I, I, I really don't. I, I see this as there are voices on both the right and the left trying to get attention for their points of view. <laughs> And using the coronavirus as a way to speak to their supporters, as, as, as you said, Jeff. I mean, I, I don't you know, think he's, not dog, he's not even dog whistling. He's just saying, hey, uh, you know, you're my followers. We're going to stand up for liberty. Well, on the left, you're saying, it, hey, this crisis means that we have to go to all clean energy. We have to use environmental justice as our watchword on recreating society. And you have Bernie Sanders and his crowd saying the, co the COVID-19 crisis shows how broken the American system is. And to me, that's completely false. But just like for those on the left, what they hear out of Clint Didier is completely false. I think that what we hear is that mostly, uh, I don't know that we are that far off here. I think that 
you're saying that this is malice and forethought that we get in with a partisan perspective. I'm saying that may be happening, but right now it's the idea of being able to use coronavirus to get you to talk about politics, which is something that usually is a pretty easy thing to do. I think that they're looking for relevance right now in regards to some of these conversations as to whether somebody objects to something going on. I'm not sure that that's going to make it as a political argument. I think it's going to make it much more of something that we use as a step to get into the full uh, all-out battle in regards to um, the elections to come. And interestingly enough, regarding Franklin County, I just in a little bit of breaking news in the last two minutes got a text from a source down there. Franklin County commissioners just got out of executive session rescinding Tuesday's motion to reopen. What do you make of that? Is this are, are, are people just reacting and then thinking, well, maybe this isn't a good idea? The, the, the whole word reopening is being used by each side, as is typical, <laughs> to their advantage. I think well, I'm not, everybody I'm, I'm understands sure that, that you need... Okay, go ahead, Kathy. Oh, thank you. I, I think that what's happening here is just like we saw the, the sheriff in uh, Snohomish County backtrack a lot this morning. I think that there is that understanding. It's when reasonable people come to the realization that the fact is... It's in the Constitution. He has these rights. And from that perspective, every time someone goes out on a limb, particularly an elected government body, and is that standing up there and saying, no, the governor does not have the right to keep this state as safe as it possibly can, I think people realize, you know, that's really dumb for you to do in a public kind of context. I'm not sure that the politics of saying that we've had enough of coronavirus and it's time to move on and we need to get back to work and let's get back to work. I'm not sure that the public has chosen that position. I think the majority of voters, conservative, certainly older, older voters are sitting there thinking, I don't want everybody running around without face masks except for me. I think that what we need to do is still make sure that this thing is really dead before we start getting back out into a public context again. So I think that I think that people realize you don't go screaming and yelling at a governor if the majority of the population is still really unsure, particularly your core population, the senior voters, if they are so sure that this thing is still not safe, well then I think you have second thoughts. Certainly if you're an elected council, you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are we doing here? Well, I would just argue that the governor's position is everything's based on science. But he has not enunciated why science tells him that private construction isn't allowed and public construction is. That The governor throws out the word science as a defining characteristic between him and his opponents without ever putting down on paper what are the metrics that the science is telling him on how to make decisions. And that has caused an erosion of trust. And that erosion of trust has caused these protests. Now, is there politics behind the protests? Of course there is, on both sides. And what is occurring is people saying, we need to get out and work. We need to get out of our houses. It doesn't say we need to stop social distancing. We need to stop being safe. They're just saying we believe we can do things safely because we've been watching people go in and out of their houses to grocery stores, to Costco, and to other places. Why can't they get out of their house and go fishing? Why can't they get out of their house 
and go to a state park. And because the governor cannot explain his random choices on what is allowed and what is not allowed, you're having this pushback happen. And I think that's completely natural. I think there's truth to that. I do know that it's a, when you do drive to something like a doctor's appointment or something and you notice the ironic number of stores that are open, from hardware stores to paint shops, all the paint shops are open. And yet uh, it's so very, yes, there is a point Randy has that there is an inconsistency that we see every day. And there's also, I think, a stricter uh, adherence to safety of older people that younger people um, are not necessarily held to the same standard, and they're the ones that are running around spreading um, a lot of, of what's happening out there. There's, very, there's definitely a gender gap, in, and there's also a definitely an age gap in regards to who's really listening and still following the letter of the law. I think the inconsistencies here do bring about a distrust in government uh, agencies proclaiming certain facts, like only essential people go to work, and then I watch them, you know, putting the arena, the new arena together every day with oodles of construction people all over it. I do think that creates mistrust. The other thing I think it, that gets lost in a lot of this is that this is an election year, a presidential election year, and as we've sort of touched around the edges is that people haven't been paying attention to that. Normally we'd be right in the throes of it. Uh, from your thoughts and your observations, both of you, who do you think this is benefiting? What One party or the other, the president, Joe Biden, Jay Inslee, all are up for re-election. Who's benefiting from this? Who isn't? I would say that right now, neither side is gaining an advantage because, frankly, no one knows how this will play out. I mean, there is, there is serious uh, risk in advocating for a complete shutdown for another two months, say, just as there is serious political risk for saying, open it up today, because you don't know what's going to happen in two months. And so you're seeing a lot of caution, justifiably so, uh, uh, by leaders in, in both parties on which direction to go. Undoubtedly, the president is taking advantage of the bully pulpit to get a lot more attention than is Joe Biden. But I think that's probably working to Biden's advantage. Because he does not have to be taking those risks of making statements today that will look very out of touch a week from now, a month from now, six months from now. And since we're still six months from the election, one has to be very concerned about taking risks now that provide very little benefit. We're in a, we're in a toss-up race for the re-election of this president. And... We will see how that toss-up plays out by what happens on October 15th, not what happens on May 1st. I also believe that what we're seeing right now are uh, major shifts we, we could never predict, and so it's probably incumbent upon us to anticipate that we don't know, and we should not be risking what little political capital we have on either side. We shouldn't be risking that capital in such a risky kind of world. Campaigns themselves are risk, uh, obviously risk-prone enough. You don't need, now what are we going to do? There are still people that I listen to, that Randy and I are teaching a class at the U through all of this in terms of online, and uh, 
these wonderful students are the ones that are always coming up with what the new conspiracy theories that are bounced around on Facebook might be, including that Democrats were so organized that we were able to kind of blow this entire virus out of proportion just so we could get off the subject of impeachment. And that's had over a million hits just in the last three weeks in regards to something like that. So I think that the one thing about all this is that people are sitting back and thinking, okay, when do I care about the people I'm going to elect? And that's why I think you're going to see a shift in messages that will go to who has handled leadership well and where do we really need a change? I think that's one thing that's happened that's already starting to give me a feel for what people are going to be feeling. They're not going to be talking so much about, yes, we need to keep incumbents and we need to get back to stability. I think it'll be about the quality of leadership that our leaders have exhibited in, uh, in its past crisis moment. So I think it's good thinking material. It's good conspiracy theory, theory stuff. It's absolutely game-changing. All other subjects will have to lead to that same coronavirus message. And so that's what I think most candidates are doing right now, other than they're not fundraising. The amount of money that will end up being spent, at least in primary campaigns, is already predicted to be at least a quarter to a third less than it was two years ago, and more than that in terms of four years ago. So yes, things are changing. I think the idea that we really don't know how to put a strategy together after this, other than I can tell you it will it will deal with the quality of leadership you see before you and what has it done for me. And that'll do it for this episode of the Como Politicast. My thanks to Kathy Allen and Randy Peppel for joining me via Skype. And we will continue to bring you the latest on the outbreak and the ensuing economic shutdown on Como News, Como News Radio, and ComoNews.com. And we will continue with the Politicast as events warrant. We hope to get back to a regular schedule just as soon as we can. Until then, stay safe. Keep washing your hands and have a good week.